The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from us, the one, the only. I love that look because you're wondering what I'm going to call you today, aren't you? <laughs> you called me a fiery dragon. Yes, I did. Um, What else have you called me? I called you a hot pocket. You did call me a hot pocket. This- <laughs> yes. Um, yes, that was for our Monday episode. For those who d- don't know, we do tape them all in one day because like, we only have one day free a week. <laughs> Um, but yeah. What else? You called me another thing today too. I can't remember, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to call you Tammy Underwood for today. Well, hey, Tam. Hi, everybody. Because <laughs> it's Thursday and you're being nice. Yeah, well, let's just roll with that. Fuck it. I was going to say, I know that's a lie because you're never nice to me. <laughs> Tammy, the cock blocker Underwood. <laughs> I'll take that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're blocking me and your mom from our love. I'm blocked. Yep. <laughs> Is this so bad that I want to peel her poise pad off with my teeth? It's bad that you say that out loud <laughs> on the air. Because now people know why I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> They're all probably going, that was gross, guys. That's disgusting. I'm offended. Hold on. Now I have to get me a pasta salad and a motivational MP3 because I'm just destroyed. Call my shrink. Dude, I need more than that. Why? I lost his thingy. Oh, no. No, because I wanted to read something, you know, but it's all good. All right, so Um, tell me about this jack-off bird. Oh, his name is Jack Bird. Um, However, I want people to, first of all, I need to make a statement. I need to clarify that this all happened in the 40s. Okay? Okay. Okay. Now, also, you need to know that he was an African-American man, and I will Guilty. be- No, I will be reading some direct quotes. Guilty. So, therefore, don't judge me because I'm just reading their quotes, okay? And number two is, is he is one of the ones that was instrumental in- People recognizing that he broke the stereotype mold, basically, because everybody always thought of, well, back then they called them sequential killers, that they were all Caucasian men, ages 25 to 45, blah, well, blah, blah. Admittedly, they still are. They Mo- are. The most serial killers are. I'm in that fucking, I, well, I'm just outside of that range now. Barely. Barely outside that range, but they're all guys like me. Yeah, you would totally be a Joseph D'Angelo, my thingy, <laughs> like Sergeant Frey, and I got mad. So oh, I have okay. another one. It's no big deal. You... I have like a shit ton of them. Whatever the fuck it's you're a bun doing. Ma- it's a oh, I didn't know what you were that, doing. No, it's a thing you... that make, let your, put your hair in a bun. Oh, no. Yeah, I do that with my hair all the time. <laughs> your goatee. <laughs> but yeah. No, and so he kind of, and for the 40s, you know, that was kind of a big deal for them. It's like, okay, so he kind of broke that serial killer mold. But at the same time, that I do not believe, I believe 100% that if he were white, this wouldn't have happened. 
like this. Racist. No, I believe it for <laughs> okay. a fact. And number two is, <laughs> I do make a reference a little later, but by the end of this, you're going to be fucking, it's going to like be like, holy shit, that is so awesome. But number two is that um, I make a reference to something else that's really funny, but also something happens in this that we wish would happen to this day. Sweet. Yeah. So I'll get into it now. Um, it was on a Thursday, October 30th, 1947. For the I was most- at the lake feeding the ducks. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Anyways, and this happened in Tacoma. Oh. Yeah. Shit, okay. That's right. Close, yeah. close to where I live. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It happened in Tacoma. Yeah. Pierce County, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's only like a couple yeah. of hours north of Yeah, me. it's just right up there. Anyways, um... And for the most part, it was a quiet night for law enforcement officials because, you know, quite frankly, they wouldn't have had to worry about anything till the night, the next night because of Halloween. But um, at approximately 2.30 a.m., um, Officer Andrew, Andrew P. Sabutis. That's a hell of a name. Yeah. And Evan Skip Davies from the Tacoma Police Department received a call from dispatch. Um, apparently somebody had heard screams, uh, coming from a house located at 1007, 1007 South 21st street. Those are called orgasms. They come from my house all the time. Anyways. So they arrived at the residence and the officers were told by one of the neighbors standing outside that someone had been heard screaming inside the house. So as they approached the front door cautiously, you know, they saw someone slam through the back door barefoot and running for his life. Despite their calls for him to freeze, he kept running. He didn't even stop at the picket fence as he barreled through it, you know, and Sabutis and Davies immediately ran after the quote rabbit. That's what they're called. You know, a runner. Anyways, look at this. The fuck? Oh, good for you. Not so much. Yeah. You know, that's awesome for I was going to say good for you, not so much, but then, yeah, it is for a diabetic. That is good. I was just showing her my blood sugar because while we're recording, I had to test, test my blood yeah. sugar because I'm diabetic, and my numbers are fucking amazing. They are. That is pretty it's good. It's the keto, man. Yeah, well, I forget that you're diabetic because my blood sugar usually runs lower than that. But well, Normal non-diabetic is between like 80 and 100. Yeah, that's where. Um, when you're fasting before, you know, before a meal, two hours, three hours before a meal. And then mine, as long as I can keep mine between 140 and 180, my doctor's pretty happy. Oh, okay. 123, and I just ate maybe an hour ago. Good job, so enough Scott. Time for it to digest, absorb everything. So Good that's, job, that's Scott. amazing for me. So, anyways, as the man continued to run, it was as if he were the first one to ever, you know, participate in parkour, because they said he was leaping over fences like an Olympic hurdler. And bounding over anything that appeared to be blocking his path. He was just going. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a black man. What the fuck? It's a jack bird. (laughs) It's a jack bird. (laughs) Dude, that is such a good superhero name. (laughs) Jack bird. Um, Anyways, when he turned down an alley with a fence too high for him to scale, Sabutis and Davis were finally able, they finally had him cornered. But... He had, he only made it and 
this unfortunately it was only a one and a half blocks away from you know the house he was running from and he turned down a blind alley directly behind 2122 south j street despite having nowhere left to run the man decided to fight his way out of the situation he took out a jackknife he had in his pocket and attacked both of the officers Jackknife not related to Jack Bird. Yes. I'm just saying. That's yeah. a totally different thing. Yeah. He sliced Officer Davies' hand, and he stabbed Officer Sabudis in the shoulder. Now, Sabudis used to be a prize fighter who went by the name, quote, Tiny Lamar. It was as if he couldn't even feel the wound, probably because of adrenaline, too. Keep in mind, all this happened in 1947, and times were different than they are today, especially when it came to police actions against any suspect. Um, apparently, Sabudis went MMA on the guy because he hit him in the jaw with a powerful left hook and then kicked him in his no-no zone. Those Let's are my get words. Ready to rumble! <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sabudis and Davies' backup didn't arrive until they had slapped the handcuffs on the suspect. Before they took him down to the station, Officer John Hickey, yes, that's his name, stopped by Tacoma General Hospital. He had to be treated, you know, because um, Bird, Jack Bird, Jack had to be treated for the lacerations he received to his face and head during the, shall we say, scuffle. Get back in there, Jack. But I'm going to get it. into a little bit more later. Remember, Jack, punch low, punch low. <laughs> Yeah, Rocky. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You can take him, boy. You got you got a chance. Yeah. Now I want you to keep in mind here. They took Jack Bird over to Tacoma General Hospital. Okay. They took Davies and Sabutis over to St. Joseph Hospital, which is more of, let's say, the Providence compared to the Tuality. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. like Twalton. That's where that's where my son was born. Well, yeah, but you know, Twalton. the one in Hillsborough, the one in the one in Twalton. Oh, okay. Right off of uh, like I five in uh, Boonesbury. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly where that's at. Yep, yep. That's for my baby. That's boy. over behind the Whole Foods now. Oh, yeah, kinda. That's where my baby boy came into this world. Ah, <sighs> good times. That's actually right over there, close to where we used to go get waxed. We yeah, used to get close. waxed right across the street, kind of. No, you rolled down the road a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, the clinic's close. right across the street, and the no, hospital's the, the, down the road a little. The, the, where we got waxed, or where Was where right was. across the street from the Tuality, right there in Tualatin area. No, the hospital is... is off Boone's Ferry. Yeah, which is like, it's the next exit up. One whole exit up. No, dude. Lower yeah. Burn, Boone's Ferry was the road. No, that you're right. That's the road right there. But you would have to go to the next exit. Oh, so you're talking about Nyberg Twalton exit. Right. You go up to uh, the Nyberg Twalton uh, exit. Okay. You had me confused for a minute. I probably did. That's because there is a toilet. There is a Twality right. No, that's a Providence right there. Never mind. My bad. Ha ha. I apologize. Um. I know where my baby boy was born. It's where I get to see my pride and joy be born. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounded so sarcastic. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so Davies and Sabudis were taken over to St. Joseph Hospital to be treated. Sabudis ended up being admitted because he sustained a critical wound to his back. And Davies was luckier. He was only required to get his hand stitched up and bandaged before they released him to go home. 
Now, a team of officers were assigned to process the house. When they walked through the door, they discovered why the suspect ran from the scene. According to them, in the bedroom located just off the kitchen, they found 52-year-old, I can't, I don't want to say her name, Bertha Clute, K-L-U-D-T. Are you going to be all right over there? He was coughing, and then he started choking. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Unfortunately, she was declared dead on the scene. Because of two in the pink, one in the stink? Anyways, when the police <laughs> like officers looked around the kitchen... They spotted another body on the floor. That body was that the body was that of 17-year-old Beverly June, her daughter. As it turns out, the suspect had taken an axe and bludgeoned the women with it. And he was black, so I bet she went it. Can I ask you a question? I'm gonna have so many you're gonna have so many bad jokes. Anyways, and probably I, lots of hate mail again. <laughs> Apparently, he knew he shouldn't run with the axe, so he just, because he just dropped it right there in the house. Cool, he listened to his mom. Boy, you don't be running with no axe and no scissors. And he's like, all right, mom. And he dropped the axe. Oh, he listened to his mom. Good kid. Good kid. Nisi listened. Nisi listened. Unlike some of them. <laughs> Me. No. <laughs> Let's see. From the... Look on the uh, the crime scene, Detective Lieutenant Earl Cornelson. I think his name was Earl because I have ear here. Um, Maybe his name was ear. Yeah, he was able to. Well, it's in Washington, not in Georgia. So ear cornholer. Cornelson. All right, you tell me about cornhole. As it turns out, the suspect had taken an axe and bludgeoned the... Oh, I already read that. Was able to determine that the suspect had tried to rape Bertha before he murdered her. Damn, nobody rapes a Bertha. Like, for real, man. Oh, dude. Well, she was sleeping. I mean, there's more... Berthas tend to be kind of... Yeah. Rotund. Yeah. Is your ear wiggling? Maybe. I don't know. No, it's just the way the shadow is catching it. No, it was really weird because I, I just, I have my, I have my reading so I glasses wig- on. I can wiggle just the one ear. Yeah, now it is. That's weird. I can wiggle both of them. Oh, I thought you said you could. Oh, I see. You can wiggle one ear at a time. Got it. But only the one ear at once. You can't wiggle the Which other one? one at once. Nope, the other one's going too. Yep, I can't do the, uh, okay. that one. No, it was really right. weird because I'm looking, but then I have my reading glasses <laughs> on too, so it's kind of blurry. Anywho, um, apparently when her mother screamed, Beverly came running down the stairs, and that's where she was met by the perpetrator swinging the axe at her. Um, Accident question. Yeah. Once the suspect was down at the police station, Sabutis and Davies found out that he was 45-year-old Jake Bird, an African-American transient who had already had an extensive rap sheet that included the following charges, assault, burglary, attempted murder, and murder. That's not a rap sheet. That's a rap album. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something stupid. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> shut up. You know how I feel about my rap. Rape the Bertha and I say it with authority. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. You don't even sound like a rapper. Hey, I am a rapper. I'm, ta- I'm changing my. T- I told you, I'm changing my name to obscenely white. 
and you're going to tour with Notorious P.I.G. Damn right. Oh, my God. I forgot to tell you about this one here. I'm listening to one of my audiobooks. I'm still listening to all the anthologies right. uh, and another series. And I can't remember what story it was, but it was talking about a guy who was a pig farmer. And he named all of his pigs, and one of them was named Notorious P.I.G. Yes! I heard that. I fucking was like, that's sweet. Best story I'm surprised ever. you didn't call me right away. I got to find that one, and, uh, and then I'll have you listen. It's like an hour long or something oh, like that. Yeah. So when they asked him how long he had served in prison, he claimed to have spent approximately 15 years total in various institutions around the country. Damn. Yeah. Pantram. <laughs> kind of like a lot of black rappers. Going to prison. Okay, no, yeah, I dig. I'm, I'm down. You know what? What? Tupac Shakur, my favorite rap, well, other than Snoop Dogg, my favorite rappers of all time, Tupac Shakur said, I didn't have a record till I had a record, which means he never got in trouble legally. They never pursued him until he became famous as a black man. Whatever. He's still a criminal. Dude, he's dead. Okay. I, well, dead I refuse criminal. to believe it, but yeah. Six pack is dead. I get it. Okay. I will punch you in your. I will kick you in your nuts. I will Rochambeau you, South Park style. Sweet. <laughs> Anyways, I like it rough. so Jake Bird was born in Louisiana on December fourteenth, nineteen oh one. Considering the era, I wasn't surprised to find out there really wasn't a whole lot of information about his early childhood because a, it was the early nineteen hundreds, and b, he was from an African American family. In Louisiana. Louisiana. Oh, there you go. See, they do it to everybody from the South. Man, anyway, go ahead. Man, let's, go. let's go. Anyways, I was able to determine he was 19 years old when he left his hometown in, in Louisiana. Anyways, if, ever since Jake left home, he never planted. You mean Jack, right? Jack. J- I Jake did write Jake, son, though. And he's not leaving home. Yeah. It's Jack Bird. I well, I write Jake a lot of times because wait, let me make sure. Let me double check here. Now that I'm asking myself that question, um, better be Jack because that's when I have the track set up as Jackass. Let me double check. It is Jake Bird. I was right the first time, but that's okay. I know what it is. God damn it. I apologize because I have some of it that says Jack and some that says Jake as I was, because I cut and paste and re, you know what I mean? Quit jacking your Jake off. You know what? Fuck off. His <laughs> name's Jake Bird. I apologize to everybody that I said it wrong. Um. Anyways, he never planted any roots, roots in one location. In fact, he had a life similar to Carl Panzram. Well, if you're out there raping people named Bertha, well, fairly sure you he, don't want to. He never that settled in any for in for any significant amount of time. He would pick and he would pick odd jobs here and there. Okay, now often Jake found a job working as a section gang laborer for. The railroad company. Oh, he's black and in a gang. Okay, I'm, I'm picking up what you're Anyways, throwing down, you racist. So that position meant he could move about from one place to another while he received a steady income, and it also allowed for him to maintain his hobby, stalking and murdering women everywhere he went. Yes. Okay? You know, kind of Scott's cup of tea. 
anyways. Man after my own heart. You are so bad. <laughs> so anyways, he, um, the officers placed Jake in an interrogation room and had him sit there until Detective Lieutenant Sherman W. Lyons was ready to begin asking him questions. As it turns out, he gave Lyons a complete confession. Jake dictated his statement as Lyons documented it so he could so Jake could sign it afterwards. All of this was witnessed by four other officers. Okay? This is what he said happened that morning. And I'll tell you right now, I started to rethink some of my habits. As Jake was walking through the town, he passed by a small shed and saw an axe laying there. He decided to pick it up and take it with him to, quote, bluff off anyone who tried to bother me. That's what he said. Man, that brother be lying. Anyways, boogie down. Boogie down, man, before the fuzz shows up. <laughs> so when That's Jake- the only reason he making a confession, man. The fuzz showed up, took, the po- took that poor boy to jail and shit. Ain't right. Damn white police officers and shit. All right, sister, carry on. So when Jake arrived at Bertha's house, he discovered that the back door wasn't locked. So he Her took back door that... was wide open. So... No, mine's exit only. So... No, not you, Bertha's, man. Shut up. I am not a Bertha. I didn't say you. I'm talking about your victim, Bertha. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Fucking tarred. <laughs> So, well, I'm so used to call- you calling me a prostitute and a hooker that I just naturally assumed you were talking about me again. I don't call you that. I just name your profession. I am not a prostitute or a hooker. That's right. You give it away for free. <laughs> You're like the free McDonald's. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Anyways, so he took that as a sign for him to go ahead and enter. Shut up, Scott. I bet you he did. I'll tell you what, if I saw a girl with her back door wide open, I, that's an open invitation. Anyways, he slowly opened the door and walked right into the house. Yeah, you can't just, you know, kick the door open. That causes damage. Because he thought it would be, quote, an easy burglary. Because he figured doors wide open, doors open, walk in, walk out. Back doors open, easy butt burglary. I'm on. Okay, I'm following. Picking up what you're throwing down there, big cheese. Are you done? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. As soon, no lube. As soon as Jake was inside, he took off his dirty shoes so he could sneak through the house silently. He saw that there was a bedroom located right off the kitchen, so he walked in. In the bedroom, he noticed that a woman was asleep, and he saw her purse just laying out in the open. He grabbed the purse and took all the money out of it, a grand total of $1.50. Damn, moving on up to yeah. the east side. He then walked back into the kitchen. A couple of seconds later, he turned around to discover Bertha had woken up and was standing directly behind him. Motherfucker, why are you taking my dollar's shit? Damn, come here, Negro. And then she got into a fight with him. They're probably both black. And then all of a sudden, it was like black lives don't matter no more. <laughs> Doing over. Oh, you pick, pulled the fan over. Anyways, so, <clears throat> anyways, according to Jake, when he saw Bertha, he calmly told her that all he wanted was her money and to grab his shoes so he could leave her house. 
However, by then, Beverly June came up behind him and grabbed him in an attempt to get the axe from him. And the two of them struggled. And the next thing he knew, the two women were dead. The struggle is real, man. Yeah. So Jake went on to tell them why he had attacked Sabutis and Davis in the alley. Considering the era, I believe this part of a statement is probably true. He said, according to Jake, this is what happened. As soon as he, oh, oh, as soon as he realized the women were dead, all he could think about was getting out of the house. Okay. That's why he chose to flee the scene from the back door because that's how he entered. Okay. Shut up. I usually pull out the back door after I'm done with it, too. He didn't even realize the police officers were there. When he realized they were chasing him, he tried to get away and turned into the blind alley. He thought since he was, quote, and this is his words, just a Negro, the police officers were just going to shoot him once they had him cornered. I can't figure out how he couldn't figure out it was a blind alley. You would think he's the, not from that era. Well, no, you would think that the glasses and the and the stick with the white tip on it or red tip would be the indicator. Do you have a red tip? <laughs> yes, on I do. On the end of Glad your you stick. <laughs> <laughs> so the cream's working really well. That infection's all cleared up. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that part. <laughs> That's the last time I ever tried to hump a possum or a porcupine. <laughs> Oh, that was the worst, man. You know, uh, true story. You humped a porcupine? I was dating dating a girl uh, named Autumn. You and I have talked about it before. Yes. And um, she found a bunch of weird laws. Uh Uh-huh. And she found one. I think it was out of Florida, but I can't remember. Some state that it is illegal to hump a porcupine under so many pounds, like 50 pounds or something like that, right? I didn't know they got over that. Me neither. But <laughs> long story short, I, I told her, dude, if you get arrested for fucking any kind of a porcupine, you are automatically the toughest man in prison. Automatically. You are. It doesn't matter. What did you do? Those quills hurt, I've heard. Like, what did you do? I murdered 15 people and I got shot 40 times. How about you? I murdered 100 people and I got 50 stab wounds. What about you? I fucked a porcupine. Dude, do you want my, you want my dessert? Like, take my dinner. It's cool, man. No, it's, well, it's yeah, okay. Because it's those good. quills go in and, like, the freaking double barb fucking fish hook I got stuck in my nose. Yeah. Fucking, they go in and they don't come out. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're they're made to only seriously go one way because they're barbed. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking porcupine, you are the toughest man in the world. Dude, you better talk to it really nicely so it don't get pissed off and at I you. I don't care if that dude is five foot two and weighs 95 pounds. That dude screwed a porcupine. That means he's got a pain tolerance of which you cannot yeah. even imagine. That means you having. can do whatever the fuck you want to him, and he'll turn around and chop your dick off. Yeah, exactly. You can kick yeah. the shit out of him. He'd be looking look at you and go, dude, I call that foreplay. No shit, yo. I think I'm going to get me some of these. I like the limon pepinos. Yeah, I, I like those I've a lot. I've never seen the Rockstar this flavor before. Oh, no, I have. I, I, I do that one a lot. Um, they that's some, the kind of Gatorade I get. They, they, they do a lot of good flavors, you know, and I got lucky because those were found on sale. Well, and not just that is for being zero sugar, it's not bad. I love it. Makes me want to hump a porcupine. So anyways. Oh, so he thought that they were just going to shoot him once they had him cornered. He figured <coughs> his best chance to get out of the alley alive was to attack them with his knife. 
Okay. Aye. So, on October 31st, 1947, Jake entered a Pierce County Superior Courtroom where he was formally charged with one count of first degree, sorry, first degree murder. I kind of got slouching because my yeah, neck hurts. Yeah, I saw that. You well, said my, my neck hurts. Shut up. Deputy Prosecutor, Prosecutor Earl D. Mann. Jeez, these are all <laughs> hillbilly names. But Earl D. Mann is yeah, like. Earl D. Mann. So totally. That a fucking right there. dad joke name. Only charged him for Bertha's murder. Now, the reason Jake was only charged with one count of murder is actually really simple in that era. That was a common practice for cases that involved multiple killings. The courts operated this way because... Shut up. No, 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 no. I got to show you what my son sent me, and I want you to actually put this on the website when it comes to this article because, Tom, listen to the podcast and you'll understand. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at a porcupine wearing fishnet stockings and a bra. You're so bad. <laughs> you are so bad. Mm, that porcupine looks worse. pretty sexy. <laughs> Scott's going to go look for a porcupine now. Here, piney, 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 piney. So, anyways, so the courts operated this way because the conviction rates weren't nearly as good without the forensics we have today. Um, therefore, if they weren't able to get a conviction on the first charge, they had others they could fall back on. And so um, if they tried them together, then they wouldn't have anything else to charge him with, and he'd walk away scot-free. Now, the reason Jake was only... Oh, I already said that. Jake didn't have any assets, so he was in need of a public defender. Judge Edward D. Hodge... Another chose, great hillbilly name. Yeah, chose to assign the duty to James W. Selden. It just happened, just so happened that Selden was a former prosecutor for Pierce County. Now, this one you actually kind of have to pay attention to some of this stuff for because his defense attorney was a former prosecutor. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. Okay. Number one. Then when the judge asked Jake how he wished to plead, He said not guilty. Then the judge did something I wish would happen in some cases today. His trial was scheduled a little more than three weeks from that date for a murder trial. Sweet, they should. Yeah. Sit there and fucking waiting for a murder trial for years, dumb shits. That's right. So it was held on November 24th, 1947. Now, I was trying to explain this to mom because I kind of narrowed it down for mom, but she goes, well, is that a long time? I go, no. I said, that doesn't even, it's not even heard of today. Because even though we have fast and speedy, it doesn't apply to murder trials. Because, and I said, so you got to take into consideration. I said, um, with me, it took me six months. You know, and I didn't even go to trial. I have a friend who got in trouble for murder way back when. And he took a plea bargain. It still took him two years to get it. You know, so there you have it. Um, So on November 14th, Jake appeared before a judge, before the judge for a motion or preliminary hearing. Okay. Jake's attorney, Selden, submitted two requests of his own, which were A, a motion for a change of venue 
because he did not think Jake would receive a fair trial if it was going to be held in Pierce County, which was probably true. Yeah, you stabbed two cops. A, you're a black man who stabbed two cops and raped and killed a woman and her daughter. But he came in the back door, so that's kind of important there. Yeah, do do a nice backdoor uh, county. Yeah, I'm never going to fucking do this shit again. (laughs) So then the second motion was for the judge to withdraw him as Jake's attorney because Jake said he wanted to represent himself during the trial. Oh, so he is a fool as a client. Yeah. As it turns out, Judge Hodge chose to deny both the defense motions that were filed. Now, there's a reason I kind of agree with him, but then I will get into that a little later. Unlike what we see with major trials today, there weren't any other delays, and it began on the day it was supposed to. Both sides gathered in Judge Hodges' courtroom at Pierce County Courthouse and began jury selection. In fact, the process of choosing who would sit on the jury was the most time-consuming aspect of the whole trial. However, by today's standards, it really wasn't all that long. Each side asked every potential juror questions that focused on two main points. One, what did they think about what they were hearing from the media about the case? And number two, would Jake Bird, an obviously black man, get a fair trial? Wait a minute, he's obviously black, not just black? That's okay, a well, I'm using their words, not mine. <laughs> but, you know, and let me just point this out, that when I went up for federal jury selection... They made sure we hadn't heard anything, and they specifically told us that we were not to even search the case when they gave us a preliminary rundown of what the case involved. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the end, four of the potential jurors were excused as soon as the court learned something about them. All four of them had served on another jury recently in which the defendant was charged with first-degree murder and the accused was found guilty and given the death penalty. Okay? So by the time the court recessed for the day, they had the jury of 12, nine men, and three women. And they would all be back by 9 a.m. the next day to hear the evidence. Now, I need to make this clear. Back in 1947, all 12 of those jurors were white people. There were no Damn black people, people to serve on the juries. Um, shut up, Scott. By the time the court... Oh, I already said that. Um, now, the trial proceedings were the definition of, quote, fast and speedy. In fact, the testimony portion of the trial lasted for only one and a half days. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Now, you're going to get a little mad here. During the trial, the prosecuting attorney, Patrick M. Steele, which sounds like a porn name, that is. only had one strategy. Proved, no, I still got some, thank you. Proved, proved that Jake Bird went to Bertha Klute's house that night with every intention of committing murder. If he could prove that beyond a reasonable doubt, then he could argue for the death penalty during the sentencing phase of the trial. The most condemning evidence they had was the brutality involved with the death of 17-year-old Beverly June. Now, mind you, in today's court, if he weren't charged with Beverly June's murder, they could not bring it up in court, whereas they're bringing it up here. Oh, okay. You know, they chose not to file the murder charges on her yet because they wanted to try for Bertha's murder (coughs) first. Right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so... 
especially since she was the only trying to defend her mother when Jake bludgeoned her to death, leaving her body on the floor in the kitchen. Now, with the clothes Jake was wearing that night were processed, the lab found brain tissue and blood evidence from both Bertha and Beverly. And I will get into this in a moment. But as the authorities were processing the crime scene, they also discovered his bloody fingerprints throughout the house and on the axe he left behind. Now, not to mention, they found his shoes where he had slipped them off when he entered the house. Now, Steele called a surprise witness to the stand. Now, check this out. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. That John Hickey, the officer that took him to the hospital, right, was called to the stand. And he, he says he was called specifically to testify about how he and fellow officer Russell Skatum, S-K-A-T-T-U-M, had beaten Jake pretty badly while they were transferring him to the lockup. This is what Hickey said in his testimony verbatim, okay? I regret to say that I lost my temper after returning from the Clute home and viewing the terribly hacked bodies of the two women. I had asked Bird, as we sat in the patrol wagon, why he murdered the women, and he said he didn't do it. I asked him who did it then, and he said it was Leroy. Who is Leroy? I asked him. Oh, another Negro around town, Bird replied. You're lying, I replied, and he looked at me with a smug and insolent look. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I hit him in the jaw with my fist, knocking him to the front of the patrol wagon. Then I struck him a number of times with my nightstick until he said, don't kill me. That brought me to my senses and we took him to the hospital where a nurse said he wasn't all that badly hurt. Okay? Look, sometimes you just got to beat a dude. Well, normally, I wouldn't think a prosecution just kicked me. I did. That's my... Or you kicked something at me. My shoes, my boots. Anyways, that would normally mean something, right? Okay, but the prosecution called this guy. A short time later, Steele moved to have Bird's confession that he signed... I wanted to say Jake's there. Confession that he signed entered into evidence. Selden strongly objected. He said that Hickey's testimony proved the confession was coerced and therefore inadmissible, right? Okay. Okay. I'll go with that, yeah. I go with it, too. Apparently, Judge Hodge didn't share Selden's sentiment because he claimed there was no correlation between Hickey's assault and Jake's confession. See... They're just trying to keep a black man down. Yeah. White devils. He allowed it to be entered into evidence. White-ass judge. As Jake's confession was read for the record, Selden continued to voice his objections with the court. After it was read in its entirety, the state rested their case. Now it was time for the defense to present their case. This portion of the trial lasted all of 30 seconds because Selden rested. He didn't call any witnesses to testify, not even Jake himself. This portion of the trial is brought to you by not a fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, not a fucking thing. The thing to do for your client when you're a public defender. Well, try not a fucking thing. It happened with the fucking um, Henley. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the morning of 
November 26, 1947, the prosecution began delivering their closing argument. By noon, both sides had said what they had to say, and the jury broke for deliberation. They were out 35 minutes before they returned with their verdict. They found him guilty, and the defendant, the defendant guilty of first-degree murder, and when they delivered their sentencing recommendation, oh, I said, they, the jury, found Jake Bird, the defendant, guilty of first-degree murder. When they delivered their sentencing recommendation, they, the jury, voted to impose a death penalty on the defendant, Jake Bird. I'm a little disappointed, actually, because it sounds, honestly, I'm kind of torn. Because Only because... It sounds like a bunch of rich white men. It sounds, honestly, like Jake here kind of got the raw end of the deal. Okay, honestly, even if he really did do it, okay? Oh, yeah, you're going to find out something else Even here. if he did it, mm-hmm. he should still get a fair trial. Fair is fair. Right. Well, remember, he was a black man in the early 40s. I can relate. Which means he was not very well educated. Wait a minute. No. Okay, let's be honest. Back then, they weren't given an education. No, that's true. That's, that's I'm not trying up. to be racist. I'm just, you know. No, it's true. I, I, yeah. I think that he got a bad shake in yeah. this, I mean, to be honest. A, poor, people, poor white people didn't get an education because they had to leave school to help support the family. And black people weren't given any education. You know? Yeah, it's just like the Irish and shit like that. Yeah. When, when they had their turn at... Uh, uh, yeah, know. a lot of Irish people literally changed their last changed their names so they didn't sound like they were Irish. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just how it is. So, they, like I said, during the entire trial proceedings, Jake had sat back in his seat and was unemotional. In fact, while the judge Hodge read the jury's verdict, he didn't move a muscle. As he was being escorted back to his cell at Pierce County Jail... He turned and asked the five men who were escorting him one question. What's all the excitement about? Like he had no idea what was going on. And I believe he probably didn't. No, I don't think he did either. Yeah. So Judge Hodge didn't hand down Jake's official sentence until December 6th of 1947. Okay, so a little, a couple weeks later. Um, <clears throat> so Jake would be executed by hanging on the gallows a little over a month later on January 16th, 1948. So not 20 years from then, a month. Until then, he would be housed at Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla at 1313 North 13th I know where that is. I know you do. I just, and the only reason why I know is because it's 1313 North 13th. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) I mean, I know 3605 State Street. Is OSP, but I don't know the addresses for the other ones. You're home away from home. No, I was at O-Dub, which was... Whatever. 30... Negative female inmate. I can't even remember what O-Dub's address is right right offhand. Shut up. I hate you. There are certain things I wish I never would have told you. I love I know you do. You keep saying it to me all the time now. (laughs) You know, and I think... A, you like the negative female inmate, which I do. would be, but the fact that he did it without an index finger and pointed with his other three fingers makes it even more. Yeah. You, over there. <laughs> You're so bad. So, now, Selden, as soon as the judge handed down the sentence, immediately filed a motion with the courts to give Jake 
a new trial. Well, motion of appeal, right? Yeah. Well, for a retrial. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, Judge Hodge didn't hesitate when he said, nope, not going to happen. After that, Selden, his attorney, said to everyone that when it came to defending Jake, he had done everything he possibly could, and as a result, he would not be filing any more appeals on behalf of his client. Well, it makes sense, because it sounds to me, like I said, whether he did it or it didn't do it right now to me is not important. Right. The fact that he didn't get a fair trial yes. is my deal. Yes. He could be But could his be totally attorney innocent. is saying, I'm not even going to file any more appeals. Yeah. Well, think about it. Yeah. Everything that he filed got shot down. Well, and not just that. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. He didn't even fucking call any witnesses or even his yeah, client. Yeah, resting 30 seconds in, stupid. A, are you even working for your client? No. They're like, let's yeah. hang this Negro. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and that's it. That's, exactly. that's all they were thinking. Exactly. So... Selden then made a statement to the media, and this pissed me the fuck off, because this is your client. You are to believe your client is innocent, whether you believe it or not. You're to act like he's innocent. Makes sense, yeah. Yes. That, I mean, it's just common sense when you're a defense attorney. Doesn't matter if you believe they're innocent or not, you have to act like they are. Now, he released a statement to the media that said... I feel whenever any man 45 years old gets an idea that no lives are safe to anyone except his own, that man is a detriment to society and should be obliterated. The defense attorney said this. To me, that says, A, his trial was not fair at all. No, he didn't get a fair shake. He did not get a fair trial. Here's my thing. Like, seriously, and this goes across the board. doesn't matter what the crime is. And I'll even say this about child molesters. That they deserve a fair trial. At the end of the day, you deserve a fair trial. You Mm -hmm. deserve a chance. And I, I, I got some fine print to that in a second, but a chance to at least tell your side of the story because well, you might actually be innocent of the crime. I was going to say, even child militias are falsely accused sometimes. Right, and that's what I was getting at. Yeah. With that said, I think if you catch somebody molesting your child, it should be yeah. perfectly legal to beat them to death. Yes. Because, no, and it's true because a lot of women, and I'm going to say this, I mean, and I know I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for saying it, but I know some women who have said that their husbands or whatever have molested their children or touched them inappropriately to get a better divorce deal. Uh, yeah. I have seen it happen. Right, right. And unfortunately, that gives, I mean, like I said, it gives people a bad name. I'm sorry, what did I, I'm yeah. telling you, my neck hurts, so I'm slouching to kind of. push the damn mic down. No, yeah, well, I don't think to put the mic down when I do it. I just know that I start slouching. But um, yeah, I think that everybody is entitled to a fair exactly. trial. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's in our fucking constitution. Yeah, and that, that, that's my whole thing with it. And this this guy, I, I'm i not convinced he did it. Well, I'll get to something here in a minute. Okay, now, if you can prove me wrong, that's fine. If you no, can no, person, I'm not going to prove you wrong at I'm all. just not convinced. No. So, Jake was asked if he had any comments, and he was very clear when he said... Quote, I was given no chance to defend myself. My own lawyer just asked you to hang me. They apologized for defending me. If they were so reluctant to defend me, why did they contest the prosecutor's proof of murder and now say that everything was proven? 
Exactly. Okay. Jack Jake's speech to the court was a combination of passion and pleading and lasted for 20 minutes. Okay. In the end, he said, all you guys who had anything to do with this case are going to die before I do. That statement alone went down in history as the Jake Bird Hex, which I will explain in a little bit. Okay? Now, there, he, according to some things I read, and I don't have these in my notes, but according to some things I read, he was trying to say he didn't do it, that it really was some guy named Leroy, and that he, when he got into the house, noticed that the people were dead, you know, freaked the fuck out, happened to touch the, you know, put his hand on the axe after he, you know, made sure, you know, checked to see if these people were dead, which, uh, which he got blood on him, okay, and then touched the axe, okay, didn't have on his shoes because he ran the fuck from the house because, A, he's a black man in a white person's house, which is illegal, you know, whether he did anything or not. No, seriously, back then it was. Uh, I was going to make a racist joke, but I'm I know, just going to pass on. I know, but I'm trying to put this in context for the era. So, and then he ran, okay? Now, I understand why he came out swinging with a knife because, A, he probably would have been shot. Right. Okay? And, B, when they did process, when they processed the scene, I'm going to say that loosely here, they took everything, including the clothes they took off him down at the police station. They took all of that and put it all in one bag, wrapped it together, didn't separate it like they're supposed to. So, yeah, therefore, the blood and brain matter would have been on his clothes. Obviously. So, everything that his attorney could have proved reasonable doubt beyond a reasonable doubt. The attorney wasn't working for him, man. That's only his obvious. His attorney was not working for him at all. They just you wanted know, and a I'm not quick saying resolution. He didn't do it. I'm just saying that there was reasonable doubt. It sounds to me like all they wanted to do was a quick resolution to this case. To that case, yes. Yeah. God forbid they actually, whether they caught the real killer or not, this guy's just a black guy, and they didn't give a shit. Yeah. They, that, that's the yeah. bottom line of it. Well, it's like fucked I said, up. I'm not going to say he didn't do it or he did do it, because I'll tell you something here in a minute. Pierce County Undersheriff or Deputy Sheriff Joseph E. Carpatch, yes, that's his name. There's some great fucking K-A-R-P-A-T-C-H, names. K A R P A T C H transported Jack, Jake to Walla Walla on December 7th, 1947. They were accompanied by Deputy Michael Waverick, W A V E R E K. I know, where are these names coming from? Not long after they arrived at Washington State, Washington State Penitentiary, Jake just started blurting out another confession. Probably because he already knew he was getting the death penalty. Didn't okay. give a fuck. Yeah, makes right? sense. <laughs> this one was about how for the last 20 years or so, he'd been involved in a minimum of 12 murders. Okay. Oh. Now, okay, so he may, he may have done it, but still, like right. I said, his, whether he killed them or not exactly. is inconsequential to me. Yeah, because A... He obviously didn't get a fair trial. And that's my thing. Make it fair. My whole thing is, with this one, there is reasonable doubt. You know? So he might not have ever been caught at all. Okay? Right, right, right. So, on January 6, 1948, exactly 20 days before he was scheduled to die, then-Governor 
Monrad Charles Walgren. That's his Did first name. Did somebody just write up the most <laughs> fucked up names that they could find? Know. You know what? We're gonna just get, we're gonna assign cops and everything with the most fucked up names to Tacoma and right the, now. And the black guy is Jake Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awesome. So yeah, wanted some information from Jake. He asked the Pierce County prosecutor, Patrick Steele, to visit Jake and listen to what he had to say. And Steele took the Tacoma police detective, Lyons, Sherman Lyons, who we talked about earlier, and the two of them. What the heck? My retarded dog. Is that because your son walked outside? Probably. Dude. And the two of them headed to the penitentiary. Is she mad because he thinks he's going to get raped? <laughs> She's a good dog. All she knows is good. And ball and rape. <laughs> I was going to say. Now, um, let's see. Do, 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 do. So it was obvious Jake was trying to delay his death because he told the two men that he had more to tell them. He claimed that he wanted to, quote, clear his conscience, which I believe because that's okay. what Pansram did. Okay. All right. Steele issued a statement to the media that said, we want to give him a chance to tell it, but we don't intend to permit him to use what he might have withheld as a means to add a few days to his life. Okay? So, for several days after that, Steele and Lyons feverishly wrote down... This is going to... I mean, they had how many pages? 40-some thousand? Or for four, 400 pages for oh, that? Oh, for the last one? Yeah. Yeah, 400 pages. Okay, just a minute here. <laughs> With the handcuff man. Yeah. Okay. But you know, considering for several. Okay, they filled notebook after notebook, and it seemed like there would be no end to what Jake had to say. In the end, they submitted a report to the governor that consisted of a hundred and seventy-four pages. Okay. Yeah. So after going over that report on January fifteenth, nineteen forty-eight, eleven days before Jake was to be executed. Governor Walgren conceded and gave Jake a 60-day stay of execution. He said that this stay was so that Jake would have enough time to, quote, clear, clear off the murders that he had confessed to committing. Okay? Uh, decent. Okay. Now, apparently, Jake told Steele and Lyons that he committed and or participated in a minimum of 44 murders while he was traipsing around the lower 48 states. As a result of that report, hundreds of investigators from coast to coast went to Walla Walla. Similar to what happened with Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. I, I just have one question. Did Jake uh, say anything like, like well, you, you remember this guy over here? I gave him I'm the gonna, poison. I know. That's what I'm going to get into. They all wanted to question Jake with the hopes of clearing some of their cold cases. The only difference in this situation is Jake was neither a Beavis nor a butthead. Oh. He wasn't given special privileges for the confessions he gave. And even though Jake claimed to be at least partially responsible for 44 murders, the authorities were able to substantiate only 11 of them. But here's the kicker. When it came to the other 33 murders, Jake had enough information about them. They were convinced he was the prime, was one of their, their prime suspect, if not one of them. 
Law enforcement officials in several states were able to close some of their cold cases. Now, apparently, while Jake was moving from state to state, although he didn't stay very long, he remained there long enough to murder some people. Oh, nice. Most of the victims were women in the following states. Check this out. Illinois, Kentucky, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota, Ohio, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and Washington. Okay? Busy boy. Dude, you ain't lying. Meanwhile, since Jake was able to bide a little more time, he filed an appeal against his conviction with the Supreme Court of Washington. Now, he figured he wouldn't be able to obtain a lawyer who would be on his side. Therefore, he resorted to what he thought was his only option, what we tell him not to do. He argued the case himself. Oh, okay, Okay? yeah. So he stood in front of the justices of Washington County Supreme Court and requested that they grant him a new trial. He based his argument on Judge Hodge making multiple judicial errors during the course of his short trial, and they denied his request for a new trial on November 30th, 1948. Since Jake no longer had the option to file a state-level appeal, the state decided to schedule his execution. On December 3rd, 1948, Judge Hugh J. Rossellini, now that's a better name, um, signed Jake's death warrant. The execution was scheduled to take place in exactly one month and 11 days from that point, so Jake would hang from the gallows on January 14th, 1949. Now, Shortly after that, Jake managed to get a decent attorney out of Walla Walla named Murray Taggart. When Taggart took over his case, he filed a stay of execution motion right away. He wanted the stay so that he could file an appeal on Jake's behalf with the United States Court of Appeals. Now, the motion was granted, however, only conditionally. If the court didn't agree to review Jake's case, then his execution would proceed as scheduled. Unfortunately, the United States Court of Appeals rejected his appeal, and as a result, Judge Rossellini set the tri- trial, uh, set a new execution date for July fifteenth. Okay, so he like postponed it by six months. After that, Taggart filed another stay of execution motion to give him time to file another appeal on behalf of Jake with the United States Supreme Court. However, that motion wasn't even granted conditionally, but that didn't stop Taggart from moving forward and doing what he could for Jake. He filed a total of three more petitions with the Supreme Court of the United States. However, he and Jake received the notice that the last one was denied on July 14th, the day before the execution. Now, Taggart and Jake still had one more option. It was a last-ditch hope, a slim-to-none possibility. They petitioned the then-governor, Arthur B. Langley, L-A-N-G-L-I-E, or Langley, <laughs> Um, requesting an act of executive clemency. Needless to say, he rejected the petition, saying he didn't want to interfere with the execution order. Now, on the night of July 14th, um, 1949, Jake sat in his cell on death row and slowly ate his last meal. Then he spent approximately the next two hours conversing with his attorney, and during that conversation... Jake said something that made me admire him just a little. He said he could, quote, he 
quote, could be a a good loser as long as he felt everything possible had been done to save his life. Sometime later that evening, prison officials moved him into the execution holding cell. Then he was issued new clothing and given a fresh shave. Now, I didn't understand that part, but, you know, because wouldn't he, like, lose his bowels and bladder? You would would think, but you know what? It's kind of respectful. Yeah, it is kind of. Um, A couple of minutes past midnight, he was escorted by two guards and warden Tom Smith as he walked to the gallows, which were only 10 feet from his cell. And he chose not to say anything to the 125 people who were there, who were just there to witness his death. However, reports indicate that he did mutter something to one of the guards who was escorting him. Now, mind you, he was hung in the same place that Wesley Allen Dodd was hung. Right. You know what I mean? And Wesley had a lot to say. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the whole 10 feet to hit the gallows. But anyways, Jake did write a note before the day of his execution, which he'd given to the prison chaplain to read. And I don't even know why I'm going to say this name. Reverend Arvid C. Ornell, O-H-R-N-E-L-L. I give up with these fucking names. I just give up. Began reading it out loud. Now, this part pissed me the fuck off. And got to the part where Jake talked about not having malice in his heart toward anyone and how he sought forgiveness. However, the trapdoor sprung open and Jake dropped to his death before the Reverend could finish reading the note. Like what he was saying didn't even matter. Right. So Jake bird was hanged at 1220 AM on July 15th, 1949. He was taken down 14 minutes later and prison physician Elmer Hill What the hell, man? Pronounced him dead. (laughs) He was buried in an unmarked grave in the prison cemetery and the only identified as convict number 21520. No name, no nothing. That's fucked up. Yeah. But all right. But he willed his personal fortune a whole $6.15 to his appeals attorney. Decent. I know. Maybe cry a little. Yeah. Although not formally educated, um, Jake gained a modicum of fame as a jailhouse lawyer, often arguing his own case before the court and his knowledge of the law, together with the help of people against the death penalty, enabled him to delay his execution for a year and a half. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, wait a minute. You were talking about a curse. Did the people oh, around him give die? Give me a minute. Give oh, me a minute. Tell me that. Give me a minute. I'll talk about the curse again. That actually was called the Jake Bird Hex. But I will address it here again in a second to tell you whether or not it came true or not. Huh? Oh, well, I'm almost to the hex part. Okay. Well, Jake's case also failed to capture the attention of the national press, even though he confessed to committing or being involved in at least 44 murders throughout the country. But history marks him as one of the nation's most prolific serial killers. Now, when it comes to the Jake Bird hex, mind you, his execution was set for just a couple of months after, well, actually about a month or so after he received his formal sentence. And he told them 
He said, basically, mark my words, you guys are going to die before me. Okay? Now, five men connected to the trial died within a year of the Jake Bird hex. Check this out. Edward Hodge, the Pierce County Superior <laughs> Court judge, died. Age 69, he died January 1st, 1948. So he would have died before Jake was executed anyways. Sweet. Okay? Then the Pierce County undersheriff, Joseph E. Carpatch, who transported him to the prison, age 46, died April 5th, 1948. <laughs> That's okay? sweet. Then George L. Harrigan, the court reporter... Age 69, died June 11th, 1948. <laughs> Sherman W. Lyons, the Tacoma police detective lieutenant, age 46, died October 28th, 1948. <laughs> Joseph, I mean, I'm sorry, James W. Selden, his own attorney, died age 76, November 26, 1948. Girl, he from Louisiana. Uh, yeah. You know, he got he got the voodoo. He do got the voodoo. He went down, he talked to her, uh, that that yeah. old Marie Laveau. Ooh, she done did them in, he child. Did. She did them in. Right? The you Marie do. Laveau. Isn't you, there a song? You don't do a voodoo child wrong like that, girl. Mm-mm. <laughs> they they be they got the help from Papa Legba. Jake Bud put the hex on him. With Papa Legba. So according to the Tacoma News Tribune, all of those men died from heart attacks. A sixth man, a Washington State Penitentiary guard assigned to death row, died of pneumonia two months before Jake died as well. (laughs) Yeah. So I do have a couple questions for you. I probably have answers. Number one, do you believe he killed Bertha and her daughter? No, I still don't. Yeah. I, I think he may have been really responsible for some other killings. And he might have been involved, <clears throat> as in present, because they proved that he might have been involved okay. in those other 33 murders. I, I'll give it that. But I'm not going to say he actually committed the murder. Yeah. It's, I, like I said, if he did do it, that's fine. But give him a fair shake. Exactly. That's that's my whole thing with, with, with anything. Everybody deserves their day in court. Right. Unless you catch somebody physically molesting your kids, then that's different. Beat them to death. Yes. And just keep beating them until they're dead. Yes. I will help you hide a body. Yes. Now, all jokes aside, because I know I have to say this to you, all jokes aside, what do you think about the Jake Bird Hex? I am a firm believer in the supernatural. Uh, Oh, me too. And I think him being from Louisiana... You believe that he had, I mean, because it's like, it didn't even say anything about that. It just said, you know, he was just like, you know what? You guys are going to condemn me without a fair trial. You're going to die before me. I bet you he had some voodoo. <laughs> he probably did have some and voodoo of, in a him. a lot of our listeners out there, there's no such thing. Uh, yes, there is very Y'all, much such a thing. I have been around the fucking world more than once. I have seen shit that you can't quite explain. I was going to say, and not only that, is voodoo is very much out there. And mm-hmm. hoodoo is even worse. Isn't that a ski resort here no, in Oregon? Well, yeah, but hoodoo <laughs> is an even more, almost darker form of voodoo that is has its roots in the deep, deep roots of Africa. I just, I, I believe that there's shit that people can do. They have special gifts. Oh yeah, and uh, it could have been 
very well that he had some gifts. Yeah. And he done put the hex on him. Well, and I just believe karma's a bitch. And I think what he said is true. If he would have gotten a fair shake. Oh, yeah. He would have said, okay, you know what? Fair enough. Fair is fair. Yes. That's good. That shows me that this guy maybe wasn't. T- he was a dick. Don't get me wrong for killing and raping and shit. And robbing. But maybe he wasn't a total piece of shit. Given that he did say, you know, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fair loser. I think that he would have just said, you know what? I got caught. I did wrong. Yeah. I got it coming to me. But until, but when they gave didn't give him a fair shake, I think that he put the voodoo on him. Yeah, I believe. Oh, Clarence Thomas is hospitalized. I just saw something and it was weird. But anyway, no, I I believed. I mean, I wasn't going to say voodoo or anything, but I do believe that it was more of a matter of, you know what? You think you're going to kill me that quickly. You're going to die first. Yeah. You know, and there you have it. And yeah, no, I told I was like after I read that, I was like, oh, my God, Scott's going to love this. (laughs) And then when he then when I found out that all them like detectives and shit came from all over the lower 48, I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) it is so Henry Lee and Tool again. But yeah, (laughs) so there you have it. That's him. Now, my tomorrow episode, you're going to love Is it long. It kind of is. You want to do it Wednesday? We might have to. We'd be running out of time, child. It's almost yeah, it 5, is o'clock 5 o'clock at the Let's night. Let's Wednesday. I'll be here Wednesday. All right. I'll probably be here Wednesday, too. Are you going to talk like this now? Ooh, child, yeah. I think it was a voodoo. That pet mad respect for the voodoo man. <laughs> Dude, don't be dissing Marie Laveau. You know she's... I don't need the Jake Bud to be putting no hex on me, child. I was going to say, because Marie Laveau is, like, immortal. <laughs> right, and what gets me is a lot of people think that Marie Laveau wasn't a real person. She's a real fucking person, people. And not only that, I will <laughs> tell you that when, because we did the whole tour down there, is that when she died, she told people that she was immortal, okay? And a lot of people believed her because they swore that they still saw her walking around I remember the New story, Orleans. yeah. Yes. However... Her daughters looked identical to her, and they dressed in the same kind of clothes that she would. So people are thinking that nowadays that maybe they just saw her daughters and thought it was her. Because they oh, wouldn't yeah. see all of her daughters at once together. They saw them, like, here and there. So, well, yeah. You know, you see weird things when, you're, when, when you travel the entire world. I'm not, not just in Africa and things like that. No, but I'm, but I've been no. to places like Cambodia. Um, I've been to Korea. I've been to Vietnam. Um, a, a lot of places in Asia. Oh yeah, no. And you seriously. see certain customs in small villages mm-hmm. that let, let's just say, man. <laughs> well, no. If you're sitting there and you're praying to the cross and you think that's the only thing that's out there, child, you'd be wrong. Well, and not just that is, I can say for a fact because I've been to Korea twice. Is in the little small villages that aren't Seoul mm-hmm. or Pusan or right. anything like right. that is. You have, they have different culture, cultural beliefs. A, I was amazed at how they had their farming. That It's in like stair steps because that way it doesn't flood because they're known for their rainy weather over there like we are here. If we had that here, we'd have less flooding and more crops oh, yeah. arriving. Number two is, is I was so used to, you know, when people died that, it was all black, where black and mourn and everything. You know, when because so, somebody in that little tiny village where my stepdad's family was, 
A, I loved it because they dried persimmons on their roof. It was awesome. I loved it there. <laughs> but um, when somebody had committed suicide in this little village while we were there, and they had the funeral, and literally that casket was decorated with flowers and everything, and they had a parade through this village because they celebrate life. The life, yes. And I was they just going to say the same thing. They yeah. he died from suicide or not. They celebrated his life. See, that's what I, I, I've told you guys time and time again. It's like, when I check yeah. out, don't sell, don't be sad that I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Celebrate my fucking life. Don't be sitting there going, where's those daddies dead? I want you guys to tell the fucked up stories of all this crazy shit oh I've Oh my done. God, I have a shit ton of them <laughs> and I've only known you a year. <laughs> Just saying. I've lived, I've lived a full life. I've told everybody yeah. I could check out today and I'm like, you know, it's been a good run. It's been a good run. It really has. No, totally. I mean, yeah. But yeah, it's just you do have different cultures. And I mean, I've been to Louisiana and I kind of like their culture down there. I was hit on by a homeless man. It was awesome. Free butt sex for every dollar. No, he literally said, I know you fine girl, but excuse me anyways. I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yeah, no. So I'm done with him. Apparently he's done with everybody too. Dude, he killed six people without even <laughs> kill, without even lifting a thing. But you know, and yeah, maybe he, you know what? His fucking the judge and his attorney, I say, deserved it. I, I agree, honestly. You know, I just I think that everybody's entitled to a fair trial. Just me. Yeah, <clears throat> because you know you're, you probably did the voodoo doll because they all died of heart attacks. <laughs> Just saying. I don't know, man. Some some voodoo priests and priestesses don't even need you to have a doll. That's true. Some of them can reach out and touch you, child, when you sleeping. Yeah, it's all they have to do is think your name. Yep. Yeah. All I've they heard. gotta do is just a little bit of whisper of your name, child. That's and that's I, all they've done. That's for what you. I heard. And some tea leaves, right? Yep. And you 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 done. That's it. <laughs> you gonna go when you gonna go to the other side and not in a peaceful way. You know what? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. I'm done. Ah, that's all I have. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the Patreon page. Help a brother out because it helps out the show. Uh, let's see. Check us out on Medium and Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation will pop right up. You get the whole story. You don't have to put up with any of my bullshit. It's just freaking amazing. It is. Oh, you over there look like a mean old frog. No, I always tell, because I have my reading glasses on, so I have to look over them like a school marm to see you. <laughs> Otherwise, you're very blurry. I thought you were going to hit me with a ruler or something no. up on my knuckles. No. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will see you guys manana on Friday. Until then, be good, be kind to each other, and don't piss off the booby priest or priestess child. Bye-bye. <laughs>